Well, if we haven't met, my name is Scott, and according to my oldest son, I'm a grumpy old man on Christmas morning. He's, he's not far off. Um, as we begin tonight, I want to encourage you that one of the most important things to, to grab a hold of in this season is your imagination. You know, one of the, one of the things that's hard uh, about this season is that for a lot of us, we've lost our sense of wonder about Christmas. And I've discovered that it's hard to worship God without wonder. And for many of us, the experiences we've been through have cost us our wonder. And so tonight, I, I want to begin by asking you maybe to reactivate your imagination. For some of us, that's harder than others. But I want you to imagine um, who is the person that you most admire? Who's the person that you most look up to? Who's the person that you are modeling yourself after? If you have that person in your mind, I want you to imagine for a second that you've been given the opportunity to introduce them as they receive an award. But they're going to give a speech after you're done introducing them. What would you say? How would you introduce them? What would you tell the people there that they need to know about why this person is significant or important or worthy of being listened to? You know, I've sat through a lot of these kind of introductions in my life, and um, what I've found is that the longer the introduction is, the less important the person is. I'm a little bit of a cynic, you might be able to tell from that, and uh, what I've found is that sometimes the shortest introductions show that the person, you know, has, has either done something significant or we all know why they're there. Like, if you were to introduce somebody and say, you know, you're now going to hear from the richest man in the world, you go, okay, I know who that is. That's Jeff Bezos. He's the founder of Amazon. Um, Or you might say, hey, this person you're going to hear from is the greatest basketball player that ever lived. And no, the answer is not LeBron James. It's Michael Jordan. Um, And if you think it's LeBron James, there's another church down the road. They have a service at 6 o'clock. You can go there. Um... If you say, you know, the queen bee, you know, that would be uh, Miss Beyonce. Um, and what's funny is that no matter who is in the office, all you have to say is, Mr. Speaker, the president of the United States. It's the shortest introduction that anyone ever gets. And I wonder, while we're talking about introductions, if you were given the opportunity, how would you introduce God to the world? How would you introduce the God of the universe to the world that he created? You know, I heard somebody once say that if they were going to introduce God to the world, they would make it as large and elaborate as possible. It would be like a flyover before a football game. It would be overwhelming. You could feel it, literally the rumble. And then after the flyover happened at halftime, a helicopter would come and land on the field and the pilot would come out and have a standing ovation. Like that would be an introduction, you know. I even thought about, you know, if I was going to introduce God to the world, I probably would wear a tuxedo. You know, I probably would dress up. But what's so funny about Christmas, if I could sum it up in one word, is that it's unexpected. Nothing about Christmas is what we would expect. And tonight, in the time that we have, and the attention that you may have, uh, I want to share with you a message entitled An Unexpected Christmas. Because if I could sum up Christmas in a word this year, the word I've picked is the word unexpected. If I could sum it up in an emoji, because that's how we speak today, I would pick this one. (laughs) Because it's not like anything that you would think. And for some of you, you go, I've I've heard the story, Scott, I know, and, and you're too familiar with it. I want you to think about it with fresh eyes tonight and think about it with a fresh perspective because it is unexpected on multiple levels. And the first level that it's unexpected in is that it's an unexpected package. 
Christmas arrives in an unexpected package. And, and the thing is about all of us is that we're people who tend to judge things by the package. There's that phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. And yet we all buy books by what the cover looks like. We judge people by what they look like. Even here, I had a, a member of our team have his kids wrap a present in newspaper. Um, and if I saw this under the tree, I might go, ooh, well, who got this? You know, and I, I don't think I would really open it up. But if I got this present, which, by the way, is larger than that one, um, size is important, um, and it was wrapped well, I mean, there's pine cones on this, I mean... I had one of our staff members' wives wrap this, and as you could tell, she did a fantastic job. If you saw this present, you go, man, I think I would want to open that. It's big. It's got a lot of intention in it. You know, it, it is a great package. But the problem is, is for a lot of us, as the scriptures tell us, is that we look at the outward appearance of things. We judge things based upon their package. And many times when something shows up in our lives in a package that we don't expect, we reject it or brush it off. See, that was the experience of the people who were actually waiting for Jesus 2,000 years ago. They were waiting for a Messiah, but he didn't show up with the appearance they expected. They were waiting for a Messiah, but they didn't expect Jesus. They expected a conquering king on a horse with a sword and an army. They didn't expect a baby. And if none of you knew the story of Jesus, and I asked you, how would you introduce God to the world? No one would pick a baby born in a time without global media on the backside of nowhere to two teenage parents who had no business having a kid, much less knew what they were doing. And yet that is exactly what God did. He showed up in the world in a package that we didn't expect. And if you knew you were going to meet God, you might wear a tuxedo, you know, you might dress up, you might get ready for it, but he surprises us. We just sang the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and there's a line in it. It says, mild he lay his glory by, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. This baby is this package that we didn't expect that holds God. And God shows up in a package that that disappoints our expectations. And I wonder if we might entertain a question tonight. When it comes to your experience with God, what were you expecting? Some of you had a hard time coming here tonight because God hasn't met your expectations this year. Maybe God hasn't met your expectations for a lot of years. And because God is not meeting your expectations, it's hard to continue on. It's hard to have faith in him. It's hard to be open to him. See, for many of us, the thing that we stumble over when it comes to faith is what we expected God to do, what we expected God to look like, how we expected him to come. The first part of the unexpected Christmas is the unexpected package. The second part of the unexpected Christmas is the unexpected gift. God gives us a gift that we weren't actually expecting. Um, You know, I I think a lot of us have have gotten the gift thing down, especially as you get older, it kind of loses some of the magic. You know, you just share Amazon wish lists and buy stuff for each other. You know what you're getting. Some of you have no surprises underneath the tree. Um, You know everything that's happening. But if you were a kid again, you might remember what it was like when you had no idea what was underneath the tree, when you had no idea what was coming. 
when you had no idea what you were getting. And that's what Jesus does in the first Christmas is that he brings us a gift that we didn't actually expect, that we didn't actually know that we needed. There's a lot of accounts of the birth of Jesus in the Bible. One of my favorites is in the book of John. The book of John begins with these words. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is John's phrase for Jesus. And what he's saying is that Jesus is the one who created us. This baby is the reason why we all exist. He is the source of everything that is in the universe. This baby. He was there with God when the creation happened. But John doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, the one who created us, he comes close to us. You may feel like God is very distant from you at this point in your life, but the story of Christmas is that God, who is the reason why you exist, has actually come close to you. And that isn't even the end. John continues by saying, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now it might be offensive to you, the idea that not everybody is the children of God. It's not a popular view in our world today. Of course, everybody's the children of God. No, actually not. We're estranged from God. If we're a family, we've chosen to to thumb our noses at God, like one of the kids did in the video, you know, and say, God, I want nothing to do with you. But Jesus comes and he offers us a relationship with God. He offers us a chance to come close to and be in a relationship with God again. And one of the hard parts for me at Christmas, if I can just be really transparent for a second, is I've done this before. I've given Christmas sermons, I've written Christmas papers, I've written Christmas devotionals, and there's an old phrase that says, familiarity breeds contempt. And the problem for a lot of us is that we're too familiar with Christmas, and so we have contempt for it. We think we know it all. Uh, But in the middle of the Christmas story is a profound truth about the relationship God offers us. And every year I try to do something to help me lean into the message of Christmas. And so this year I read a book in November um, about Christmas. And it talks about Christmas in light of our culture and our world. And the writer said, I've talked to a lot of people who are a part of other faiths. And I've asked them how in their faith the individual's relationship with God actually works. He said, in general, these are the answers that I've received. Eastern religions like Buddhism and Hinduism do not grant the possibility of personal communion. God is in the end an impersonal force and you can merge with that force, but you cannot have personal communication with it. For other world faiths, God is personal, but he's too removed to have an intimate, loving communion with believers. I've become convinced that what makes the difference for Christianity is the incarnation. No other faith says God became flesh. That's what's unique about Christmas. It isn't that God sent somebody to make us right with him. He came. Not just to take care of our eternity, but to begin a relationship with us today. You just saying these words with Jamie in Bilton Bethlehem. We saying, no ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. That's what all this is about. That's why we would go to this great effort and put on tuxedos and bring out lights and serve all these things is because we want you to know that there is a relationship available with God. Not a distant one, not a long distance one, but as close and as intimate as it could be. 
And that's the third part of the unexpected Christmas, is that we're offered an unexpected invitation. It's right there in that verse, John 1, 12, which says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's an invitation that's available to you, and it's not just at Christmas. It's available every single day. It's as if God has come up to the door of your heart and he's knocked on the door. And he's inviting you to welcome him in. Some of you have uh, family in town with you, people who are here from out of town who are celebrating Christmas with you. And what's so funny is that we know our family, they're our family for life, you're stuck with them. But when they come for Christmas, we put on a show. Like for some reason, when your family comes, your house has to be spotless. They know it wasn't spotless yesterday. They know it's not going to be spotless when they leave. But when they show up, it has to be spotless. Except for that one room. Because there's always one room you don't have time to get to. And you stash everything in there, or there's one closet. And you just pray to God that your relatives don't find that closet. You pray they don't find that room. Well, here's what I've discovered. That God is like that relative who always finds that room. He doesn't want to have a relationship with your mask. He doesn't want to have a relationship with the you that you put on social media. He doesn't want to have a relationship with the you that when somebody asks how's it going, you say fine when you're far from fine. He wants to have a relationship with you, all of you. And he wants to come in and have a relationship there where there's nothing hidden. Because with Jesus, you can be totally known and totally loved. And I discovered that about seven years ago. You see, seven years ago, I went through a season of burnout. I wasn't just physically exhausted. I was emotionally, spiritually, mentally exhausted. And I wasn't at a church that offered sabbaticals, and so I just had to find my way through. And it was in that season that I began to discover some flaws in myself. And one of those flaws is that there was a phrase I would never say out loud, but it was the one running in my mind all the time. And it was this phrase, I got this. I got this. I got this. And um, I wish that that phrase stayed in that season of burnout, but that phrase has been with me even to this week. You see, when you walked in, you got a copy of this bulletin. And just yesterday, we were working on this service, and one of our team members goes, hey, Scott, um, you realize there's, there's two typos in the bulletin? And I kicked him in the face, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. You see, there's two twos on the back. It's not one, two, three, it's one, two, two. And then our, our website, Prescott, has one T, not two Ts. You see, last year we had one typo in the bulletin, and I said, I'm going to get this. I'm going to make it right. We're going to have no typos. And now we have two typos. (laughs) And you might say, Scott, that isn't that big of a deal. But when you're the kind of person who says, I got this, that feels like failure. And it was in that period of burnout that I felt like God began to speak to me about this need to perform about this need to earn it, about this need to prove it. And he took me to a verse that nearly all of you have heard before. If you watch a bowl game this weekend, you'll see it on a giant sign 
If you've ever seen a a protest of Christians, you've seen this picture on a sign. It is the most famous verse in the Bible. And it is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's one of the first verses you memorize if you become a follower of Jesus. And for a long time, I spent a lot of months with the first six words in that verse. For God so loved the world. Because I took out these words and I put my name in there. And I said, for God so loved Scott. And I came to realize that God didn't love me because I didn't make any typos. God didn't love me because I performed. God didn't love me because I killed it. God didn't love me because people applauded me. God loved me because he made me. And before I was even looking for a package or a gift from him, he came. He sent his son into the world to die for me and to give everything for me so that I would know just how valuable I was. That's why the song, Oh Holy Night, is my favorite song. Because in that song, there's a phrase that says, Long lay the world in sin and typo pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. There are so many places in our world where we feel like we have to perform so that our souls are valuable. Some of you this year didn't feel like you were valuable because you didn't hit your bonus number that you did last year. Some of you don't feel as good about your worth because of the experience this year for your family at Christmas didn't have as much financial resources to give to it as you wanted to. Some of you are wrestling with your worth tonight because somebody that you love and care about has spoken a word that's ringing in your head and so you feel like you don't have worth. And when Jesus appears at Christmas... He announces our worth and value. The song continues by saying, The king of kings lay thus in a lonely manger. In all our trials, born to be our friend, he knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. We don't like to share our weaknesses. We like to project our strengths. We like to hide our weaknesses so that no one will see them. Even wearing a tuxedo, I'll tell you that I feel a little bit more pressure to be a little bit more on. But I have weaknesses. And they are no stranger to God. And they don't separate me from him. They don't keep him away. They are the reason why he came. And your weaknesses are not a stranger to God. He knows them better than you do. And they are the reason he came at Christmas. And his invitation to you is to open up those weaknesses and surrender them to him that he might offer you his grace in that place. The Apostle Paul, one of the most famous followers of Jesus, once said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Does it make sense in our culture? We like to project strength, but that is the message of the gospel. 
And that's what we wanted you to hear tonight. We wanted you to hear that in a world where you have to project strength, that you can be weak. In a world where you have to have it all together to prove your worth and value, you have nothing to prove. And Jesus comes in an unexpected way, in a package we don't expect, offering us a gift we didn't know we needed. And we have to decide if our expectations are going to keep us from him. Because here's the truth of Christmas. Jesus didn't come to meet your expectations. He came to meet your needs. Jesus didn't come to meet your expectations. He came to meet your deepest needs. And as long as you keep holding up your expectations as the thing that has to be met, you'll never experience the true meaning of Christmas. Because the one who knows your deepest needs has come and he's met that need. And he's inviting you to embrace him. Would you pray with me? God, I believe that there's not a person in this room who's here by accident. I don't believe that I'm here by accident. I don't believe it's an accident that uh, I feel sick right now because it's a reminder of my weakness and my need for you. And I believe that there are some people in this room and some people who are watching online who you've been working in their heart. And you brought them here today for a moment they didn't expect. A moment when they might embrace your son, Jesus, and be forever changed. I'm so glad that there's not anything that we have to do to earn your love or to earn your gift at Christmas. All we have to do is receive you and allow you to come in and do for our hearts what only you can do. If you're here tonight and you're ready to receive that gift, maybe you've never received the gift of Jesus' love before. Maybe like me, you've been trying to earn and prove your worth and value to everybody else, including God. Then I'd love to pray for you this Christmas. So with everybody's eyes closed, if God is stirring in your heart to embrace his gift this Christmas, would you raise your hand so that I could pray for you? I see those hands over there and back there. Whether you raise your hand or not, I'd encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I'm weak and I'm in need. I receive you into my life and I put my faith in you. I want to be your child and I want you to change me. Show me what to do. Show me the steps to take and never leave me alone. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.